for everyone who has kept going when you wanted to give up, welcome. And for everyone who has given up, welcome. For everyone who's found courage when they thought they had none left to give, welcome. And for everyone who's hidden under the covers when things got too hard, welcome. For everyone who has gathered their very last bit of strength to make it through, welcome. And for everyone who's needed to rely on the strength of others, welcome. For everyone who has never needed someone else, Wait a second. We all need someone else sometimes. And so we know we are all welcome. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Elise School, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. 
Visitors and guests, we hope you got a blue name tag so that we can welcome you and answer any questions you may have. We love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd like to hear from you what you are looking for. I'd love to see all the blue name tags out here today. Welcome. We hope you'll join us after platform service for coffee in the lobby and in the social hall behind us. Also, please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet that's found at the welcome table. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket as it passes later in the platform service. I want to remind you to please silence your electronic devices so you can be fully present for our morning together. No movement. You guys are all ready. Fantastic. Um, now I'd like to invite Jen to come up and read our statement of purpose so we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. <clears throat> the Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each other's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. As Jen lights our community candle, I invite you to all to join in the candlelighting words as projected. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of the people of China and throughout the world who are facing the challenges, loss, and fear associated with the coronavirus. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. We're going to do something a little different today. If you are able or would like to, please stand up. If not, please feel free to sit in your chair. Either way, I encourage you to be present in a supported position. 
close your eyes if you're comfortable with that, or let your gaze soften. And take a deep breath. If you're standing, stand up straight. Position your head directly over your shoulders so that your head and your hips and your feet are all lined up. If you're sitting, please support yourself in any way that is comfortable. Let your arms rest comfortably at your sides. Take a deep breath and let it out. Feel connected to the earth through your solid foundation. Slow your breath down as you sense the earth beneath your feet as you breathe in and out. Consider those who stood before you. Try to feel a connection and take strength from those before you and around you as you breathe in and out. As you stand on your own two feet or sit supported, take a moment to consider those who have contributed to your strength who have supported you in your life and give you, given you the encouragement to make it through life's challenges. As you continue to breathe for the next few moments, take comfort in your own strength and the support of those around you.
I always feel cooler when U Street Jazz Collective is here. <laughs> and you are all really super lucky that I did not just belt out stormy weather while you were playing that. Everybody's lucky. We're all lucky that I managed to resist that, but it was close. <laughs> when I was in, um, I think, late middle school, early high school, I read a book called True Grit. Does anybody remember reading that book? It came out later, there was a movie that came out in 2010, the Coen Brothers movie. But that, I was in middle school and high school a long time before that. And so we just had the book. And, um, and my memory of the book, which is a, a book about a girl who won't back down. Um, a girl who, um, who goes out in sort of the wild west looking for someone um, looking, in fact, for a man of true grit, is what she says, to help her avenge her father's death. Um, although, of course, it is the girl who shows grit throughout this whole book. Well, I remember this book so distinctly, the image of the front cover of the book, a girl standing there, very plain, two braids, a rifle in her hand, and a look on her face that was not... Um, no one was telling this girl to smile. <laughs> she had grit. We are talking this month about resilience. And a lot of times I think of resilience as sort of um, like an opening of our hearts or a, a soft kind of word, right, that returns us to who we are. I think about about bouncy balls and the ability to bounce back from challenges in life, the way a ball will bounce down and come right back to you. Or I think about bamboo that sways in the storms, in the stormy weather, right? That is, that is supple enough that it can withstand really significant winds and, um, and not break. That's what comes to my mind when I think about resilience. But today, I wanted to think instead about an element of resilience, that idea of grit. Grit, to me, doesn't feel like beautiful bamboo trees swaying in the wind. It feels like, like gritting your teeth, right? Do you know what it feels like to grit your teeth? Everybody try it right now. Ready? Grit your teeth. You clench, clench your teeth really hard. That's gritting your teeth. Or it feels like, um, like the other meaning of the word grit. You know, the little particles of sand or dirt that you can't actually get out from between your toes when you go to the beach, where weeks later you're still finding them inside your sneakers, the grit that's in there that you can't quite shake out little bits of rock or sand or irritant. That's what grit is. To me, it's not beautiful like the bamboo trees, but instead it's the girl with a scowl on her face who is going to get things done. It's the stuff between our toes we cannot get rid of. It's the determination and the perseverance that we need to make sure that things keep going. 
sometimes to make sure that we succeed. I thought it might be helpful to get us started to look at a couple of examples of what I think grit looks like. So I have two video clips, and, and we're going to start with really, it's one of my favorite clips on the internet. Um, I saw it a couple of years ago, and you might have as well, but let's, let's roll that one. This is a little boy. Here we go. Oh. Okay, he's back up. And I jumped up on, but that's not going to happen. That would be, that would be neat. Um, <laughs> I love that particular clip because of the way that, you know, gosh, as he goes up on that stool each time, I think, I think, is he going to, he didn't. Is he going to make it? He didn't. And yet over and over and over again, I bet for many hours even, this little boy has been practicing. Could you see him get better little by little so that, so that as we got closer to the end, he, he was almost able to stick the landing, but not quite, right? Almost able to. We're going to come back in a moment and think a little bit more about who else was in that video with him. But, but first, I do want to say, I think... You know, jumping up on a stool, it wouldn't even be this chair, would it? It would be like me jumping up on here. <laughs> um, feels, perhaps for some of us, distinctly unattainable. So I wanted to share another clip that is significantly more um, realistic. Can we roll that one as well? It's from Captain. You're right. I'm always human. is Carol. I've been fighting with one arm tied behind my back. But what happens when I'm finally set free? That was real life footage um, of, uh, of me succeeding at something. Um, <laughs> 
the, the clip comes just as um, Carol Danvers is being asked to let go of her humanity, being asked instead to join forces with a really kind of creepy looking Annette Benning, I would say. Um, and, and right before the clip, um, we, we just didn't quite hear it. Carol says, um, Annette says to her, you know, you're nothing, you're only human. And she says, that's right. I am only human. And of course, we see her over her childhood and her young adulthood getting up again and again, trying again and again to succeed at something that seems at first impossible. And then shooting lasers out of her hands, as one does, all of us, when we, um, when we finally attain the impossible. I might like, though, the clip of the little boy on the bench the best because I think it tells us something about where grit comes from. Who do you think was in that clip with him? Did anyone see somebody else? Yeah, Lola, who was in there? His dad. I think his dad maybe could have been his coach, someone who was helping him, right? And, and when he comes into the picture the first time, when I saw that clip, I thought to myself, is maybe he's going to give him a shorter bench or he's going to make it easier for him to get up there. But no, no, he did, though, give him some encouragement. He helped him to focus, I think. That's what I saw change in the little boy when the dad or the coach came up to him and put his arms on him and spoke to him. He helped him focus and try again. So often I think we need people in our lives to help us build our grit, to encourage us to keep going when we feel as though we are just about ready to give up. But here's the thing, the big caveat to the grit conversation is that grit is not always the answer. Sometimes, sometimes we actually don't need to or we aren't able to keep trying to jump up on that bench. Sometimes we actually need somebody to take care of us, to, to help us hide under the covers for a while. Sometimes we need to muscle through the homework and get it done for the next day. And sometimes we need to write to the teacher explain that life is really hard and ask for an extension, right? I asked people to share with me, as I prepared for this conversation, um, stories about times in their lives when they needed grit and times in their lives when they needed not grit, when they needed instead to be taken care of or to take care of themselves. People talked about grit being called for when they were trying to put one foot in front of another during difficult times. They talked about making it through really challenging semesters at school or really long and time-consuming work projects through busy periods of life. They talked about taking care of a loved one who was sick, when they just needed to keep going each day to be able to show up for that person, that it took grit for them to keep helping, to keep supporting them. And then 
people told me stories about times when grit wasn't what they needed. When sticking with grit would actually have been harmful to them. That what they needed was to let themselves be sad or be tired or be quiet. Times like grief after we have lost someone when we need to stop and simply heal. Or sometimes when that difficult semester or that challenging work project is finally over and our body needs us to simply shut down for a little while. My body scheduled um, flu season always right after I finished with exams as soon as I got home for vacation. I had had all the grit I needed to get through and then I was done with grit. When we are facing depression or anxiety, times in life when grit doesn't quite do it for us. That resting time helps us, I think, to build back up our reserves. That time under the covers or snuggled up with a family member or a friend helps us to emerge later to try again. I think back to the boy on the bench and his father who was with him or his coach or his friend. Sometimes the role of a friend is to figure out whether the person we are trying to support needs encouragement and cheerleading. You can do this, just keep going, you're almost there. Or whether they need a reminder that they can stop and take a break. That Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes I think it is enough to simply ask the person, which do you think it is? In ethical culture here in this tradition, we talk about bringing out the best in others and therefore in ourselves. And sometimes we talk about the platinum rule. Who here, has anyone heard of the platinum rule? No, the golden rule? Golden rule, right? Some people have heard of the platinum rule. The golden rule, right, tells us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. The platinum rule says do unto others what they want done unto them. It means we need to get to know people to ask them what it is that they want so that we can offer that to them because it might not be the same as what we want, in fact. I think about that when I think about the support we can give to people when we try to figure out if what they need is grit to survive and to make it through or something more like cocoa and a warm hug. This is particularly true, I think, of people who are facing systemic oppression. I think in particular of the disability community. Um, people with disabilities are often um, sort of heralded as having so much grit, so much strength, so much courage to make it through. And indeed, they, they are navigating a world that is not set up, right, for them. They're navigating stairs and doors that don't open automatically, and it does take courage and strength to do those things. But we can create a kind of idolatry of grit, I think, where we say that that strength and the courage is the most important thing, when actually maybe the better thing would be to have ramps and doors that open automatically. 
to have a world where we have made it more accessible so that people need just a little less grit to navigate their daily lives. If we focus too much on the beauty of all that grit that is needed, we, we can venture into pull yourself up by your bootstraps territory. The idea that if you can't manage to do it on your own, there is something wrong with you. So that's the big caveat about grit, that sometimes it isn't what is called for. But sometimes, maybe more often than not, we do need some element of it to move us forward in our lives. And so I have been thinking about how we nurture grit, stick-to-itiveness, determination in ourselves and in our children and in our friends and in our families. One of the things that I read years ago about raising children was the idea that we could raise children to be resilient if we made sure to tell them not just stories of our lives or our family's lives when things were easy or went well, but stories of times in our lives and our family's lives when things were difficult. And I think that's true not just for raising children, but for raising ourselves, too. I was at dinner last night with some friends that we've known for a long time, and, and you know, we both have a middle schooler and an elementary schooler, and we have two full-time jobs in each family, and we were sitting around feeling, you know, kind of exhausted like life is actually possibly impossible to manage. And we started reminiscing about earlier times when we had preschooler and an infant, brand new home from the hospital. And then one of the other parents remembered a time when she, she had a newborn, just one child, but all of their childcare fell through. And she had to bring the baby with her to the farm where she was working. She was a, a gardener, a farmer. And so she'd put the baby there and weed a row and then go back and check on the baby and weed another row and go back and check on the baby. And we all said, wow, that wasn't a great time, was it? That sounds hard. And sometimes remembering those stories of the hard times we have made it through can give us the grit to get through the hard times we're through now. One thing that they tell parents is not to go and fix everything for your kids. If you are a kid here, I don't know, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever had a moment where you thought, it would be easier to have my parent tie my shoe for me right now because shoes are actually, as it turns out, relatively complicated to tie, right? And, and you're not born knowing how to tie shoes. I wasn't born knowing how to tie shoes anyway or how to ride a bike or how to read or any of those things. And, and so sometimes I know it can feel like, well, why do I have to tie my shoe? Because here's a person who clearly does know how to tie shoes and they could just do it for me. But you know, they tell us in the parent instruction manual, <laughs> did that ring a bell? It, <clears throat> they tell us in the parent instruction manual um, not to tie our children's shoes for them once they sort of know how to do it. That even if it takes longer for them to do, we're supposed to stand and wait and watch, which is hard and takes its own kind of grit, I'll tell you. But what we're doing is trying to make sure that our children and ourselves 
learn to do things that are just a little too hard for us. Because that, as it turns out, is what life is. Doing a lot of things that are just a little too hard for us, over and over again. Because as soon as we master it, I mean, what do you think? That little boy that jumped on the bench, now that he's done it, do you think he'll only ever jump on a bench that high? I bet his dad is going to get him a higher bench. <laughs> and I bet he's going to keep jumping and keep practicing all the time on a thing just a little too hard for him. When I was a child, and in particular as a teen, facing sort of mountains of homework that felt insurmountable to me, my mother used to say to me, if it's due, let's say, Thursday, well, by Friday it'll be done. And I, I originally thought to myself, that's ridiculous, of course it'll be done by Friday, but I still have to do all the work between now and Thursday to, to finish it. But as I have gotten older, I have appreciated the sentiment behind the phrase that eventually that hard thing is over. It's gotten me through difficult days, in fact, when I, I, I really can't imagine having to live through what it is that's coming in that day, those meetings or those appointments or those challenges or those conversations. And I think to myself, well, by the end of today, no matter what has happened and how it has gone, even if it was really pretty bad, by the end of today, it will be over and I won't have to do this day again. Tomorrow might be hard too, but it will be hard in at least a slightly different way. I'll have finished this one. Grit isn't pretty or elegant. In fact, it's often sweaty and kind of grumpy and cranky. It's the foot in front of each other when it feels like we can't keep going or, or the bicycle that always almost falls down when we really wish we could put the training wheels back on. But we know if we keep them off, we'll finally learn to bike in a straight line. Grit is that sandy stuff that you can't quite wash out between your toes. You know how pearls are created? Pearls are created in oysters by the development of secretions around a little piece of grit, a little irritant inside the oyster and the oyster starts to build layer upon layer around this little sandy piece that will not go away. Sweaty, grumpy, cranky grit can lead to something so beautiful. I think about that often when I hear musicians, especially ones as great as the folks we have with us today, how many of you have ever tried to learn an instrument? How many of you on picking up that instrument the first time played it exactly the way you would like to play it? 
Oh, Lola, amazing. No. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the instrument, yes. But you, you didn't play it perfectly the first time, right? In fact, my experience of practicing the piano is a lot of sweaty and grumpy and cranky. It's a lot of scales I didn't enjoy doing and going over measures again and again and again. It took grit, stick-to-itiveness. It wasn't fun, honestly, most of the time. And without all of that, we would never get to this, to the flexibility and resilience and beauty of jazz, to the way the notes gracefully go one after another. But I suspect that the three folks here about to share yet another gorgeous song that sounds effortless spent a lot of grit of sweat and grumpiness and crankiness getting to the point of playing as they do today. Each of us has that bench we're trying to jump onto, those lasers we're hoping to shoot out of our hands, and it's getting up again and again and again that makes it possible. May we hear the beautiful end result.
Thank you so much for the beautiful music and working through all that grit and energy to get to that beautiful place. And thank you, Amanda, for your words this morning. Now is the time when we add our voices to the conversation.